0: Oh, uh, apparently uh, we are on the air. Okay, well, I <laughs> guess we're having some technical difficulties down here, as they say, in professional radio. But anyway, we remain professionals. Welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. Professionals, indeed. I give a brain damage award very quickly out to the Pittsburgh Penguins. They were not professional in Game 5. They were amateurs, and I hate to say this. If you can't lose like a champ, you certainly don't deserve to win like one, and I don't know how the officiating is going to be in uh, Game 6, but look, they took an old-fashioned weapon, and you got to suck it up and move on to the next game, but all those cheap shots that uh, some of their stars were levying out demonstrated the difference between the Detroit Red Wings and the Pittsburgh Penguins.
1: Well, a a championship is uh, as much about composure and poise and mental preparedness uh, as it is skill or any of the physical aspects of whatever sport you want to talk about. Uh, And so self-control, composure, uh, clearly were something that the uh, Penguins illustrated that they do not yet have. And it's too bad because it's been a great series. Uh, it's the, the the Penguins are a
0: young team with a lot of skilled players. They've got great players. They've got future Hall of Famers in all likelihood. And they're going to get better. Um, you know, this, the play that Stahl made the other night was just <laughs> out of this world. But you didn't see the Red Wings when they got down 4-2 taken cheap shots in that game. Uh, Frankly, the Red Wings have outplayed the Penguins for pretty much most of the series, except for the five minutes in Game 4, in which uh, Pittsburgh's energy, which is their big asset, their energy and skill, came to the fore, and uh, they took it to the Red Wings for five minutes. Well, tomorrow night's game will... Be the
1: uh, the big uh, decider, of course. Uh, we didn't
0: whine. We didn't complain. Yeah. We just moved on. You know, the puck took some funny bounces on a couple of those plays. Uh, that's the way hockey is. Uh, I like the Red Wings' chances to wrap it up in Game 6, though clearly Pittsburgh gets energy from playing at home. So we'll see what happens. And uh, go blue. <laughs> those Michigan teams. Those Michigan teams. Only well, in this case, it's go red. Well, an interesting week. there was a late breaking story today that the Supreme Court has delayed the uh, the bankruptcy deal of uh, Chrysler uh, without going into too much of the details on this because obviously I guess the the pension fund in Indiana is going to have their day in court. But don't be fooled by the political arguments that are being made. I don't mind them having their day in court. There are obviously laws regarding bankruptcy, and these are very complicated bankruptcy uh, filings indeed. And it's important to realize that uh, this uh, Indiana pension fund that's basically holding things up since... Uh, it is pointed out by all uh, news accounts that the holders of about 92% of the loans have agreed to the government plan where they will receive 29 cents on the dollar in cash for their claims. Uh, Indiana bought funds, its holdings, in July of 2008 at 43 cents on the dollar. So they're essentially arguing from what I can tell based on the math here. There are, uh, they, they hold 42, it says 42.5 million in Chrysler's <coughs> 6.9 billion uh, bonds of first lien debts. Uh, bondholders get paid before stockholders. Uh, a, a secured creditor is basically, takes precedence in court over a quote, unsecured creditor. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a complicated deal in which the government, the American government, teaming up with the UAW and Fiat are essentially taking over Chrysler. It's going to keep them in business. If Chrysler is forced to liquidate, uh, Indiana is not going to receive the $5 million that they're arguing about. They're probably going to receive nothing because there's no white knight on the horizon. Um, It seems that the state treasurer of Indiana, and I don't have his name in front of me, but I've uh, heard him quoted, is suddenly talking about principles. it's, It's politics. He's going after the Obama administration, but he seems to have amnesia. So I'm going to give him a brain damage award. Where was he in December of last year when the Bush administration was in charge? He made a point today on national television in which he said that the TARP program under which Chrysler and General Motors received this money, is illegal, that they weren't allowed to receive money. Well, Bush and Paulson made the deal to give them money. They floated them some money right before Christmas to avert a collapse of General Motors and Chrysler. Uh, What impact this would have on the economy is still a matter of debate. But one study that's been done uh, here in Ann Arbor, where uh, we have academic... And professional jobs that are linked to the auto industry, uh, not only to the, quote, big three, but also the foreign sure. auto companies. Uh, Toyota, for instance, just built a huge research and development plant just south of Ann Arbor. Uh, take a country drive down Platte Road someday, and you'll mm-hmm. see it if you can uh, see over the, uh, the f- new foliage that's growing up quickly. Um, that was good for this region of Ann Arbor. These are professional jobs. Toyota is working on design and R&D, emissions, battery technology, you name it, as are the other car companies. And I'm a big critic of uh, Chrysler, needless to say. But let's point out here that the Center for Automotive Research, a nonprofit organization in Ann Arbor, this from the December 11th edition of the Ann Arbor News by Alan Fram of the Associated Press, uh, and this was right when the discussions about the bailout were first uh, emerging um, manifestly. This the, the, this was before Congress. Remember, it was the law firm of uh, Corker, Shelby, and McConnell that, that didn't allow a congressional deal uh, involving uh, a bailout of Chrysler. Mm-hmm. They said let them fail. Well, I'm going to give them some auto statistics that show that— The car companies that they're representing are not doing any better than Chrysler General Motors, certainly not better than Ford and General Motors, and indeed uh, much worse. Anyway, the Center for Automotive Research, a nonprofit organization in Ann Arbor, estimates that if Ford, General Motors, and Chrysler completely stopped making cars next year but returned to production levels in 2010 and 2011 of 50 percent, of where they were recently, 17 million units, it would still wipe out nearly 2.5 million jobs this year, next year. And this, this was written in late 2008. We're seeing those job losses. Yep. We're seeing the furloughs. Um, the center, which gets a small portion of its budget from auto companies, says that 230, uh, 239,000 of those jobs would come from the big three and 795,000 from their suppliers. <coughs> and $1. million from other jobs created by the spending of auto workers and suppliers' employees. Well, we had hearings last week in front of Congress about the dealers. Now we have the small towns suddenly coming out of the woodwork, saying, oh, wait a minute, we're getting shut out. Chrysler and General Motors want to shut our dealership down, and this is going to cost us jobs. And, hey, this is the biggest employer in our town. Well, that's the...
1: There you go. Yeah,
0: that's called economics. And for the 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 state treasurer of Indiana, who characterized his bondholders as beneficiaries, and by the way, it's a pension fund. It's it's basically uh, state teachers and police officers. Okay, they have an interest in the case, but if this derails the entire thing. Good luck. they're not going to get congratulations uh, on a whole lot of nothing. Well, a whole lot of nothing and they're arguing over five million dollars. basically. they're going to take a five million dollar loss if they accept this 29 cents. They made a bad investment. That's capitalism. They're objecting. They think they should get paid first. Well, good luck. If you liquidate Chrysler right now and I you know, I think that the from a sort of strategic uh, automotive standpoint that the merger with Fiat is is plagued with difficulties that I don't see uh, that ever working out I mean look the General Motors bankruptcy is going to drag on something like that case in Bleak House you know <laughs> 8 years 10 years uh, and these things go on forever I don't think the Howard Hughes will has still been settled
1: Yeah, good question
0: so uh, I don't know read Bleak House Get it? it get, will give you an idea of how long this uh, this may last. And the, the, the purpose of the fast-track bankruptcy here was not politics. Uh, obviously, there's an element of it. It's the UAW that's accepting the big losses here. They're taking Indeed. over the equity of Chrysler, right. and 55% of it, they're going to be the majority uh, stockholders of Chrysler. But the stock is worth zero. This is just a question of buying some time here in the midst of continuing catastrophic economic data that just continues. Foreclosures, retail sales, auto sales. Uh, You know, we just had last month's auto sales come out. Uh, Corker, uh, Shelby, and uh, McConnell, who are representing the interests of Toyota, Volkswagen, and Nissan. These are the numbers. Toyota's uh, car sales down 40%. Um, Nissan down 33%. Volkswagen, they did the best of them all, down 12.6%. By the way, these are sales figures compared to a year ago. But the point is, the brain damage award here goes to the Indiana treasurer who bought these bonds back in July of 2008. He was trying to make money, 43 cents on the dollar. That's called a junk bond. You didn't, you know, you couldn't have bought it at a worse time, dude. (laughs) Take your licks, move on, let the process work, and boy, if Fiat backs out, and they're not a well-capitalized company, by the way, uh, this could not be worse.
1: Well, there's some speculation as to uh, whether or not the... uh descent of the economy has uh, halted, stabilized, or turned around, and I guess it depends on who you talk to, but as of the <clears throat> end of last week, uh, Mark Prado, market strategist at uh, Cantor Fitzgerald, uh, told his clients that, I have declared the recession almost officially over. The May data clearly has turned the corner. Well, this is a rosy scenario indeed. Uh, in I'm afraid that uh, many other experts see that uh, perhaps things have stabilized, but that uh, we have yet to bottom out. <clears throat> and I think that's uh, something that's been foretold uh, down here on the program as well. That, uh, as you mentioned, we're now seeing this local effect that the small towns and so forth uh, are are finally being affected by the uh, failure of the bigger companies. So uh, it's likely to get a little worse or to stay about the same at the very least before it starts getting better.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting that the the, the you know, the two sort of big stories from last week's Chrysler uh, uh, testimony before Congress, you know, K Bailey Hutchinson's worried about Chrysler dealers in Texas. Jay Rockefeller's worried about Chrysler dealerships in West Virginia. Um well, This is the consequence of an industry that's basically gone from selling 17 million units just a couple of years ago. And as we've pointed out, many of these automobiles were bought with home equity loans that Mm -hmm. are now jeopardized. There is no light at the end of the tunnel at the moment. Um, This idea that things are, quote, less bad, sure, you can make that argument. But, I mean, the data is terrible. Um, You know, the unemployment rate went up. Because more uh, college students, for instance, that just got out of school and what summer you know colleges are out, people are looking for work. It's not there. Things are tough. We saw the retail sales numbers down. Uh, foreclosures continue to rise. We have uh, reports for about state governments uh, basically looking at shortfalls of, of nearly two hundred billion dollars. We're seeing the state of, of, of California with a 24 24 to $25 billion um, deficit that they've got to figure out. That's like three times the entire state budget of Michigan. Yeah. That is not some small amount of money. And they cannot run deficits. They can't print money. And the consequences of this cumulative generational impact of Reaganomics and free trade— which is part of part of the problem, but not all of the problem. The, the real problem is too much debt by consumers, businesses, and government, and an unwillingness to make the, the right changes to really correct the problem. Uh, I look at the Pentagon budget as the numero uno problem, mm-hmm. and, of course, the unaddressed issue of health care. But interestingly, uh, we're still going to see a battle royale over. There's no... <laughs> easy, uh, quick fix to that problem either. And uh, America is just not, I don't know, drinking, smelling the coffee and waking up. It's still in this somnolent, delusional world of yesteryear.
1: Well, and although the rhetoric isn't there uh, from the Obama administration, the sort of implications of America's Worldwide military reach You know There's there's talk of course That uh, he wants to uh, Increase the numbers of troops In Afghanistan And we've argued about that and debated about that down here, as uh, probably a deeply flawed from the get-go. But, uh, of course, under the Bush administration, it was American power will lead the way. You know, we're going to correct failed states and spread democracy and all the... Remake the Middle East. <laughs> remake the Middle East, all the classic <laughs> claptrap of uh, imperial... Uh, Biggie wigs from uh, yesteryear. Of 19th century British (laughs) British imperialistic
0: thought. Who would have thunk?
1: Uh, And so uh, Americans just kind of have this assumption that, uh, well, that whole infrastructure, superstructure really has to be there. But uh, I wonder when we're going to see the cracks appear in that facade, the unspoken facade of this huge Pentagon budget that you correctly identify as... uh, number one item on the list of things to cut from the budget. Things to cut from the budget. Lots of things to cut there. Not only do we have, you know, dozens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of U.S. troops stationed in places like Germany, Italy, South Korea, Um, that's needless, you know, I mean. Well, we still have incredibly over a
0: thousand, nearly a thousand bases globally uh in something like 140 countries it's just one of these unmentioned things in the current debate about quote deficits and obama's raising the you know raising the deficit on you well look these problems are structural they're generational this is the the, the, you know, the false uh, premise of Reaganomics that, you you know, not only have we seen the complete failure of deregulation in industry after industry, we, we can even get, you know, we can talk about the airline industry again. Yeah. They just come out with another, another study that says, oh, we're going to lose 10000000000 billion. We're in collapse <laughs> yet, still. <laughs> we're going to lose another $10 billion this year. Yeah. Um, it's it's the idea that you can, you know, increase defense spending without increasing taxes. If you want to uh go to war in uh, Nicaragua or outer space, or outer space, build uh, you know, spend 100 billion dollars on missiles that are supposedly coming from the Romulans or <laughs> who knows. One too many sci-fi movies, Ronnie. Um you know, that's the delusional thinking. You know, Schwarzenegger came in saying, Oh, I'm gonna restore Reaganomics to the to the good state of California. Well, look what they've got. A mess, a bunch of doo doo, and a governor that refuses to quote raise taxes. All right, so uh, eliminate adult uh you know, adult uh health care during the day, the daycare centers mm-hmm. for senile adults. Uh cut the prisons. You know, there's only so much cutting you can do. And, uh, you know, if state budgets need to cut $200 billion from their uh, budgets over the next couple of years to regain solvency and the, quote, stimulus package is only going to provide half that money so that they have to make $120 billion in real cuts, that's going to continue to mean job cuts need to occur. And uh, this is all troubling. It's what you pay for. What you know, it, it's not a question of cutting taxes. This idea that the cutting of taxes is going to increase government revenue—that's always been a myth. It's never, there's no empirical evidence that's ever shown that it's ever worked. It's just that the cumulative impact of these deficits are finally catching up with America. And uh, I didn't bring in this uh, interesting new article. I occasionally read something that just blows my mind because it's just something brand new. But uh, there's a new book out about the forcible uh, relocation of island people on the uh, on the, the island of Diego Garcia. Oh, very interesting book. I'm going to bring the, the review in about it because it's, it's called Air the Base Refueling Station for the Isle U.S. Shame, and it's it's about the details of of which in the early part early years of the Cold War. Um, The architects of of America's imperial reach decided, well, we need this base in the Indian Ocean so that we can project power into into Asia and into Afghanistan, Pakistan, and the Middle East. And indeed, Diego Garcia has been used, the B-2 bomber has been Mm -hmm. used to uh, attack Iraq directly from this island. Well, the island people were forcibly relocated. Uh, in a cozy little deal that the British government made with the American government post-World War II. This is the isle of shame. This is the disgrace that is is associated with with American imperialism. And it's part of this delusional notion that the United States can continue to operate this, you know, the reincarnation of the British Empire or the Roman Empire with modern weaponry that by the way, are very expensive and very capital-intensive and incredibly wasteful when you look at money that's uh, thrown around by the taxpayers. We hear all this moaning about, you know, the $25 billion that General Motors and Chrysler have received. I mean, let's remember remember the banks. My goodness, they've received several hundred billion dollars. Uh, The Pentagon receives six hundred and. $60 $60 billion every year. Where's the belly aching about that taxpayer yeah. money? We just don't get the, the other side of the, the fiscal uh, argument uh, in a legitimate debate. Instead, we have these morons on the, from the Cato Institute and the uh, Progress for Growth group that are allowed free airtime on television to simply attack, quote, big government,
1: where, well, the uh. have they been? The, yeah, and the disciples of people like Newt Gingrich who uh. see government as an enemy. And of course, one of my favorite quotes is uh. uh. Supreme Court Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes, who said, I don't mind paying taxes, that's how I buy civilization. Exactly. I mean, that's what we see in California is the point where okay, well, we got to pay the cops, um. we i guess we have to keep the roads up. Um, water and electrical services must be guaranteed. Uh, if you think about it uh, in the big picture, the Reaganomics agenda utterly, ultimately, uh, leads to something like anarchy in the end because the whole thing falls apart. And uh, civilization, question mark?
0: <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, when when you get an example like the recent uh, execution of Dr. Tiller in Kansas— yeah it's the same people that are quote arguing about big government that want government involved in that decision. You know, I was just recently re- reviewing the Blackman opinion on Roe v. Wade and it's a fascinating read. I, you know, if you can get a hold of a constitutional law book, read the opinion because it's just fascinating the arguments that he makes. But I'd like to just point out loosely speaking he essentially argues Noting that the Constitution does not explicitly mention a right to privacy, he notes that the Court has recognized a right of personal privacy or a guarantee of areas of zones of privacy which do exist under the Constitution, and argues that the First Amendment, the Fourth Amendment, the Fifth Amendment, the Ninth Amendment, and the Fourteenth Amendment, citing cases that the Supreme Court had previously ruled on as part of this concept, he makes it quite clear uh, that there is a Right that is extended to activities relating to marriage in the in the loving case, in procreation in the Skinner case, in contraception in the Eisenstadt case, in family relationships in the Prince uh, versus Massachusetts case, and uh, in child rearing, uh, child rearing in the Pierre case, and um, that this right of privacy is deeply embedded in the first section of the 14th Amendment as an implicit in the 9th Amendment. And uh, he notes that this right is, quote, broad enough to encompass a woman's decision whether or not to terminate her pregnancy. Uh, The detriment that the state would impose upon the pregnant woman by denying this choice altogether is apparent, he writes. And he cites direct medical harms to the woman, psychological harm. Mental and physical health issues uh, may be taxed by child care, uh, there may be a problem, uh, as he notes, uh, for families to psychologically uh, care for another child. And, of course, he even notes, interestingly, the stigma of unwed mo- motherhood. In arguing that the state is asserting rights in this particular case, Roe v. Wade, which was decided 7-2 to 2 back in 1973 that we hear too, far too little about and instead have this sort of, I don't know, linguistic debate in our country he argues that the state uh, cited three reasons, noting that the state of Texas didn't, didn't, even, didn't even argue about the first one. He claimed that it was the purpose of striking down uh, their defense in, in uh, the abortion, that the state has a right to prevent abortion, is that it would discourage illicit sex. He writes uh, sarcastically, no one takes this argument seriously today um he also uh, notes that the medical hazard to women is dismissed citing evidence from uh, the AMA doctors and etc and then the protection of prenatal life that he goes into the philosophical debates about whether life begins at conception or not finally and we'll talk more about that at third issue in future shows i just wanted to note he writes specifically in the opinion he notes, thus in common law at the time of the adoption of our Constitution and throughout a major portion of the 19th century, a woman enjoyed a substantially broader right to terminate a pregnancy than she does in most states today, part of another reason in, in which he justified citing on Roe v. Wade. So it's very important to realize that the Roe versus Wade case does not come out of thin air. <laughs> it's grounded in five constitutional amendments and a half dozen to 10 or 11 other cases that establish a fundamental right to privacy that the state has no right to impinge on. And I agree that Roe v. Wade was decided properly, and it's an absolute disgrace that Randall Terry and these radical abortion people can continue to distort the debate and, uh, and fortunately, encourage uh, actions that led to the execution of Dr. Tiller, who was engaged in uh, terminating uh, uh, late-term abortions.
1: Not only uh, are they getting the argument uh, confused uh, with regards to U.S. constitutional history, but they're also undermining what they purport to be their own religion. Yeah. Uh, The idea of... uh, of course, it's very easy uh, to as I'll uh, we'll give a brain damage award to Mitch Albom, uh, who is weak as a sports writer and pathetic as a writer of uh, sort of self-help uh, uh, for the mentally enfeebled uh, books. But uh, his political commentaries are often uh, just completely ignorant, and he uh, <clears throat> dismisses Obama's attempt to reach out to the Muslim world by a sort of thinly veiled attack on Muslims, you know, worldwide as people who don't care about the Muslim on Muslim violence throughout the world. And look at the terrible thing that happened in Pakistan, religious extremists thinking that they're in the right and doing the work of God. And where are the good Muslims who stand up and criticize this? Well, gee, Mitch, you know, where are the Christians who stand up and criticize the you know, work of uh, Christian assassins. And of of course they're, they're out there. Yeah. You know, there are writers in the Muslim world. I'm sure Mitch Albom doesn't read the international press. Uh, there's a lot of concern and outcry in Pakistan and, you know, throughout the world about the ongoing violence. Um, no one religion has a monopoly on uh, maniacal, uh, terroristic behavior. Um, certainly we've seen uh, this sort of, uh, Christian terrorism here in the States, uh, before, and uh, sadly, according to the comments from this uh, recent uh, assailant, uh, there are threats of more. I mean, explicit threats of there will be other attacks. You know, this is terrorism.
0: Well, and perhaps uh, Randall Terry and his uh, ilk can pay uh, for additional government services because obviously Obama, uh, you know, personally is outraged by what happened to Dr. Tiller, and they're obviously now needs to be federal protection at a, at abortion clinics. I mean these people are outrageous. They over the weekend actually the pill kills. They were they were trying to claim that women that take the pill are committing abortion and thus are murderers. This is unbelievable. But it's part It's not even medically accurate. Well it's not. And of course <laughs> the definition of a pregnancy contrary to their Life begins at conception theory, which Blackman goes into, and we'll, we'll discuss this more in, the, in, in upcoming shows because I think it's very important to understand that it's this debate about life begins at conception that is the establishment of religion that, that's mm-hmm. that's really inherently part of the problem with the right to life quote unquote uh, arguments that they're making in public and for. Uh, people now on that side of the political spectrum to claim, well, we, oh, we had nothing to do with this action and these activities in in uh, in Kansas are, are just inaccurate. This was a doctor that was providing medical services to women. He didn't kill a single human being. Um, he, if you know, many women get these late-term abortions for medical reasons, mm-hmm. and all you got to do is look at the statistics. Uh, in third-world countries regarding uh, child uh, uh, women that die giving birth. Um, so it, it's it's disgraceful that the debate gets muddled up with slogans and uh, rhetoric, and I urge listeners to refer back to the Blackman opinion in Roe v. Wade because it's outstandingly uh, argued and notes and something that I in, inherently believe that we in America, if we are to be free— do need to believe an inherent right to privacy, a fundamental right to privacy, a, pri- a a right to privacy that exists in the Constitution that protects us in other areas mm-hmm. of of our uh, lives, as as Blackman notes, you know, regarding contraception, marriage, child rearing, uh, and these sorts of things.
1: Personal matters. Personal matters. Yeah.
0: Uh, Government, butt out.
1: Yep. Well, it's time for us to butt out. We'll have to... uh, We're cutting (laughs) out. We're cutting out, right. Uh, Saving my great segue from abortion to uh, the potential that Ahmadi Najad might be voted out of office. Yeah, he uh, might. As of uh, the end of this week. So we'll have to talk about that.